this church, once we get, once we get people greeting each other, it's hard to get them to stop talking. It's, it's actually a good thing. But the message that I have for you is we're closing off our series on the kingdom of God uh, today. And that series was, we called it First Things First. And the reason we call it First Things First is because the Lord teaches us and taught us that we should seek first the kingdom of God above all else. And uh, you and I, we can ask ourselves that question. And how about this? The very first thing pretty much that I'm going to say is a challenge. So I'm just, just wondering, did you mention in your prayers this week, did you mention the kingdom? Did you, did you uh, in your heart, were you thinking about, okay, how can, I, how can I seek the kingdom? What does that look like in my life? Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'd like to encourage you to, to not forget this series that we've been in on the kingdom because the Lord said, seek first the kingdom. Oh, hallelujah. Amen, Mike. That's a good encouragement. Come on. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But today I want to talk to you about party time. Because after all, it's Canada Day and there's going to be a lot of celebrations and a lot of parties going on. And you know that God likes a good party. He does. He likes a good party. So don't feel guilty enjoying yourself. Okay? There's a time to weep. And we have friends, sisters, and brothers around the world that are weeping right now because of the persecution and different things. But we, our joy and our freedom takes nothing away from them. And so if there's a season in your life and mine of blessing and freedom, it's okay to enjoy that and celebrate that. And we, when, uh, whenever there's a, you know, a football game or a hockey game or the Olympics or whatever it is, we, you know, we're praying that prayer, God, keep our land glorious and free. Even the non-Christians are, are singing that prayer. And I believe God hears that prayer. Amen. And so I want to talk to you about uh, the banquet in the kingdom of God. And, and uh, Jesus talked about this. There is a future time when there is a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus said in the book of Luke, he said, people. In fact, another spot, he said, many people. But it says here, many people will come from the east and the west and the north and the south and recline at table in the kingdom of God. And uh, this, this was actually, uh, you know, part of, part of a story that I'm not going to go into, but Jesus is talking about the fact that there's a welcome for every person in the kingdom of God. And part of that welcome is to a great feast, a great banquet. I don't actually understand how it's all going to look, because I haven't been there yet, but when we get to heaven, when the, when the last day on earth happens, there's going to be a whole new situation, and there's going to be a banquet. We're going to be talking about that. But I want to just, as we're talking about the banquet in the kingdom of God, let's remember that there is a table set for us here and now as well. The Bible talks about the, re, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives as being a down payment on the future blessings of heaven. And, you know, your, your best day, your best experience 
with God that you've ever had. Can you remember the very, the time you felt the closest, the time you felt God's spirit just percolating in your heart? Have you, have you got a moment like that that you're thinking of, come on, I'm not asking for you to say anything. Just raise your hand if you've had an experience with the presence of the Lord. The, think of your best one. You know, that's sort of like a humdrum, boring part of eternity. Okay? It's going to get way better than this. But there's still experiences that we can have with God now. God wants us to enjoy his presence in the here and now. King David once said, you know, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. That's pretty good. In the presence of Jesus. Uh, in Luke 14, uh, Jesus went to, he went to dinner, actually, at a Pharisee's house. You know, a lot of stories of Jesus, and I just love it, it's all about him eating and going, having picnics on the beach and going to parties and going to banquets. First miracle he ever did was at a wedding feast, turning the water into wine. That wasn't very spiritual. That was just a sign that he has arrived and he's not, you know, he's not boring. (laughs) It's great. And he went to this Pharisee's place for dinner. And, of course, the Pharisee, he had ultimate, he had uh, ulterior motives. He wanted to make sure that Jesus had, a, you know, a, sort of a public place where they could trip him up. But he went to this party, and, and then uh, there was talk back and forth. And that's the same party where he said, you know, when you have a party, don't just have your closest friends that will invite you back to their place next week, but invite strangers to come, people that couldn't pay you back. And at, at that, someone said to him, um, he, someone said to him, you know, uh, where is it here? Verse 15, a man sitting at the table said, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. And Jesus didn't argue with them, but then he told a story. And the story that he told uh, gives us an insight into God's heart for us and for the world. Now, a lot of these stories that Jesus told uh, were actually sort of little slams at the Pharisees and the sort of regular Jewish thinking that they were sort of better than everybody else and they were the, uh, you know, the insiders and everybody else was outsiders. And Jesus came in part to break that wall down and abolish the difference between Jews and Gentiles, and to make it so that everybody had an opportunity. So Jesus replied with this story in Luke chapter uh, 14. If you just go to the next slide, if you would, please. Jesus replied with this story, a man prepared a great feast. Now, I looked that up because I wanted to see what it actually said in the Greek. And you know what it said in the Greek? It said, a mega supper. A mega supper. And the mega is, is actually a part of, you know, it's a Greek word anglicized. And we say mega quite often in different vernacular. And it acts, that's where it comes from. It just means really big, just like you thought. And this is, and so it was a, a big deal. And it was a, a mega feast. And he sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready... He sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, 
the banquet is ready. Now, of course, you and I, we, most of us don't live in a world without electricity. We don't live in a world without big coolers and refrigerators and, you know, gas stoves and electric stoves and microwaves. But to, to get a feast ready in that environment, it reminds me of where I'm going, you know, in a month or so. I'm, I'm going to Africa and, you know, they, when they cook a feast, They've got three bricks on the ground with a fire, and they put the pot on top of the bricks, and they make a feast. I don't know how they do it, but they do. But it's a lot of work. If you want fresh chicken, you take your chicken alive to wherever you're going, and then you slaughter it and plug it there. That's the way it works. I've personally carried chickens uh, inside inside shopping bags. It's it's quite an ordeal. But what it does, it relaxes them. It's not, it's not cruelty. It, it relaxes them. And so that, I mean, we know what the end is, but they don't. Okay, it tastes good too. So the, taking the, you know, that's why they don't kind of hang out and wait. As a matter of fact, yesterday, I'm going to tell you this real quick, because my, uh, my cousin and her husband, uh, my, my sister was a bridesmaid. They had their 50th wedding anniversary celebration yesterday in Chilliwack. And they had this buffet that was just awesome. And I don't know why they did this, but the food was ready at 5.30, which is fine. But they told everybody to come at 4 o'clock. Well, it's nice to come at 4 o'clock, but I wasn't expecting to wait an hour and a half for dinner. <laughs> but the food, you know, there was hors d'oeuvres and different things. It was fine. It was like it was a family reunion. Hadn't seen everybody. But it was a great feast. And they sent out email invitations. And it was great. But they didn't have to chase me down because we had email. And the, the food was, you know, the food was prepared and right on time. And uh, so, anyways, they, they said, uh, back to the, the story here, the banquet was ready. He sent servants to tell his guests, come, the banquet's ready. And they all began to make excuses. One said, I, and the, I just bought a field and I have to, you know, inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five pair of oxen. And I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come either. So think of it. They don't have a fridge or a deep freeze to save the leftovers. Okay, so this is a thing. Like this, this is really important. So, anyways, uh, we'll go on with the story. But before we do, I can identify with these guys, uh, especially the first ones, because my wife and I are looking to actually sell our personal home and get something just a squeaky little bit better and bigger. Not better. We love our place, but it's just not big enough for what we need from time to time. So we're going to be uh, looking around and we're going to be selling our house. That sounds, you know, that sounds fine until you realize, well, we have to declutter. We have to do this. We have to do that. We have to make it, you know, on Thursday, on Tuesday morning, the photographers are coming so they can do that and the videographers and all this. And then we're out looking for places and it's distracting. It's really distracting. But I still went to the dinner yesterday because <laughs> I like dinners uh, and you got to eat anyway. No, we, it was fine. We're, we're working into the evening and up early and all that. So I, I can relate to that. But so the first, the first person, you know, he had just bought this property. Now, of course, it wasn't just a, like a personal house. This was actually part of his business, right? He is, he's a farmer. He bought a field. 
And it's, so it's a pretty important deal. But he couldn't come to the... So he decided he's not going to the banquet. Could he have come? Well, if he planned, if he planned around it, like I did yesterday, if he planned around it, he could, if he wanted to. The next person uh, bought five a new truck. And, you know, it's, again, it sounds so simple, but, you know, you've got to go shopping. You've got to make sure you're comparing. You've got to check the thing out. If you go to a dealership, it takes forever. You know, they've got paperwork, and they go and do this, and they go and do that. It's like, a, you know, we, once you decide to do it, it seems to take three more hours. But this fellow wasn't ready to plan around it. He wanted to look after his truck. Okay, five. Again, it's probably more like a combine. And I don't know how much does a combine cost. Anybody know? They cost a lot of money. Are they how much? 200,000 or at least. Yeah. A combine is for harvesting, you know, harvesting wheat. If you don't know what a combine is, they're big machines, computerized. And anyway, so whatever it was, you know, it was important. And he wasn't ready to plan around it to come to the feast. And, of course, we believe in family first. We talk about family first. We believe in family. My wife and I, I mentioned earlier that we're going to be not here on Sunday next week. We're actually going to where my son is a, a worship pastor at the church in Cloverdale where he is. And this is, that's his last Sunday. It's a long story we don't need to get into. But that's, we're going because it's his last Sunday at this church. He's been there for years. And so we're going to go and be part of that sort of... Believe in family first. However, that's first after the real first. Okay? God is first. God is first. And, of course, I, I know, and, and, of course, uh, you know, Rebecca and Amato are getting married a week from tomorrow... Oh, hallelujah. And I'm going to be at that wedding because <laughs> I got an invitation. Um, but, you know, um, they're, they're still, you know, they're still going to be putting God first in their lives, beyond themselves. But after God, the marriage is first. I mean, that's the most important thing. That's what they're thinking about. I walked up to Amato this morning and I said, are you excited? I didn't have to say, are you excited because you're getting married in eight days? And he goes, what? No, he knew exactly what I was talking about because he is excited about that. <laughs> Among other emotions from time to time. Uncertainty and nervousness, and you know, but... It's mostly excitement. Isn't that right, Rebecca? Yeah, she's smiling. I don't know. She's embarrassed and doesn't feel too good today, but she's still excited. So, so this person, I just got married. I can't come to the banquet. Well, why don't you have the banquet for your, like, get him to come and cater the wedding? Sounds like a great idea. Anyways, so what happened was, in verse 21, the next slide, the verse 21, the master was, was furious and, and he said, okay, uh, go into the streets and alleys in the, of the town. Invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And after the servant had done this, he reported, well, there's lots that have come now, but there's still room for more. And so his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges. You know, there's people that live in South Surrey behind the hedges right now. We call them homeless. Those people... Uh, I was I was thinking about that. Uh, I did work in a homeless shelter a few years back, and 
And I remember how I felt so intimidated by the, my first, especially my first day, you know, because I grew up in a sort of a middle class style of a home and I was, you know, just like a sort of a regular, I guess, a regular kind of home in Canada. And I had never actually even in, had an encounter with a homeless person. And then I discovered why there, there's some intimidation. It's for good reason, because there's, you know, there, there's sort of a survivor mentality there, and so there's some violence. Uh, there's a lot of mental illness, a great deal of mental illness, and, of course, addiction. And with addiction comes desperation. And so there's a lot of reasons why, you know, there's that intimidation factor. But here, this master who wanted to make sure his food got all eaten, he said, let's have the homeless come. And we, I mean, we, part of my job was to help people get in, into the dinner. We had, we gave dinner out for probably 150, 200 people every day in this shelter in Maple Ridge where I used to work. And so, yeah, I've been there, been there, done that, but it is a little bit of a thing. And so the master said, go into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge everyone you find to come so that the house will be filled. And none of those that I first invited will get even the smallest taste. There's no takeout at my banquet, okay? If you, if you aren't going to come and, and be respectful, forget about it. And I, I really think it's important for us to put the kingdom of God first. I think it's important for us to realize that God has a banquet what does God want to do in your life and my life that we just aren't giving him the attention that's needed? We aren't willing to put certain things, very important things. You know, if you have a, a business or a home purchase, if you have, you know, you're going to buy a new truck or a new car, or you're going to try to sell yours, it, it, that's, not, that's not unimportant. God cares about that. If, you're, if you have family situations, you've got to sort all that out. But we still need to put God and his banquet first. We need to put him first in our lives. And what does that look like in your life this week? I mean, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, you're going, yeah, well, yeah, I get it. So what does that look like for you this week? What are some things that are distracting in your life this week and in my life? And what are, what are we needing to just put aside, at least for our attention, at least for a, a, a bit of time so that we can, you know, put God first? What does that look like? Receive from him. He has a banquet for you. He has blessings for you in your life this week. He does. He loves you. He's been thinking about you. If you weren't here at the beginning of the service, you missed that. But anyway, I want to talk to you also um, further about uh, dress code. Now, I don't like wearing a T-shirt to church. Uh, but it's Canada Day, and I don't have a dressier shirt for Canada. Maybe one day I'll go get one. I was thinking about that, but it works. So happy Canada Day, everybody. It's not my usual dress code that I have. Um, and you can see on the screen that, you know, a lot of times at work there's a dress code. Sometimes you wear a uniform. Um, Graham, you wear a Coke shirt, right, when you're driving your truck? Graham, our worship pastor, he drives a semi-truck full of coca-cola every day he doesn't drink it but he just yeah he does he drinks it a lot anyways uh there's uniforms and then there's other dress codes this is you know the difference between business formal and business casual up on the screen right now and this next story it talks about a dress code at 
the uh, at the marriage at the, at the marriage dinner, and then so go to the next slide if you would. And the, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, and we're talking about the kingdom. And have you ever heard of uh, the the Duke and Duchess that got married recently? There's a Canadian connection, Harry and Meghan. And uh, Jesus uh, told another parable. He said, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. And when the banquet was ready, he sent servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. Now, if you got an invitation to that wedding, uh, of course, it was in London, and so maybe it would include a ticket to London. Okay, now I'm talking. Would you say, well, you know, I, I'm a little busy. I've got to wash my hair, and, uh, you know, I've got to fold the, the, the laundry, and, you know, someone's got to feed the family. No, you figure something out. You're on your way. <laughs> you know, a free trip to London to be part of that wedding? Come on. But these people, so many of them, they said, well, no, I'm not coming. What? So uh, verse, uh, verse 4, he sent other servants to tell them. The feast has been prepared. The bulls and fatted cattle have been killed. That's how you get fresh beef in those countries. Everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests that he had invited ignored them. And he, they went their way, and one to his farm, another to his business. Look at this. Others seized the messengers and insulted them and killed them. Now, probably this did not actually happen in Jesus' day concerning a dinner. But it did happen to those who were invited to the dinner in the kingdom God sent his prophets to prophesy to Israel. Many of them were beaten and killed because of their ministry, including John the Baptist. And Jesus was talking about dinner, and he was also talking about the kingdom. So he had a lot of messages in these stories. And so the, the king was furious. This is uh, slide number 10. I believe the king was furious and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. Whoa. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. That's interesting. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. That's awesome. No outsiders. There's only insiders for this wedding. Uh, and verse 11 goes on to say this. But when the king came in to meet the guests, and I don't know if there was, you know, 30 or 300 or whatever. I don't know. He noticed a man who was not wearing the proper clothing for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? I've always wondered about this. But the man had no reply. And then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw him into the utter darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. I'm not wearing a T-shirt to the wedding. I'm just not. Okay, just in case this actually happens to me. I don't want to cheer and 
I'll be honest, you've, you've read this perhaps in your, you know, daily study Bible or whatever, and people think and say that in that culture, you know, the, a lot of times they would provide special clothes for those who were attending the feast. And I, honestly, I don't know if that's true. It could be. I hope so. Because that would make a lot of sense. So, but there is, in terms of the, the wedding feast in heaven, there, that is the case. That the, the wedding clothes are provided for those of us that will be attending the marriage supper of the Lamb. If you have your bow, it means an unveiling. And it's like, okay, so here is what the spiritual realm looks like. He opens up the curtain, and there's, there's the, the marriage of the Lamb. Now, I really doubt it looks like that photo on the screen, but that's somebody's idea of what it might look like. And here it is from Revelation. It says, let's be glad and rejoice and give honor unto God for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And his bride has prepared herself. Now, if you've read or heard about these stories and the truth in Revelation, the bride refers to the church. The believers, the people who trust in Christ, they're part of the church and another nickname for the church is the Bride of Christ. And so here's the bride has, um, excuse me, has prepared herself. And look at verse 8. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. And there's an explanation there. Uh, not sure if it was the angel or John who threw this in. For the fine linen represents the righteousness of God's holy people. So if you want to be comfortable and not be, you know, kicked out of the marriage supper of the Lamb, here's your hint, okay? Here's the idea. Wear the right garments. You need to follow the dress code of the kingdom of God, the banquet in heaven. And that is the fine white linen garments that represent righteousness. Now this week, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Because if you raise your hand in the affirmative, we have to talk. (laughs) You know, none of us here were flawless this week. Every one of us failed in some way. Small way, big way, whatever. If you were here last week, I confessed in front of you all about one of my failures from the, lot, the week before. I'm not going to do that again today. But if you really want to hear it, it's probably online <laughs> for all the world to hear. But we all fail. And the righteousness of God that we need to have is a gift from heaven. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. It comes by faith in the Son of God. It's really important. Like you might think, well, I've heard that before. Listen, you need to have the right clothes on when you get to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There is a marriage supper coming. I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm sure it's way better than you think. Yesterday we we had awesome roast beef. 
barbecued chicken. Oh my goodness, it was great. That feast that we had yesterday for the 50th wedding anniversary out there at the Coast Hotel in Chilliwack, it was just fabulous. The wedding feast of the Lamb is going to be better. Way better. Don't know how, but it's going to be good. I'd like to close with some good advice from the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 3. Jesus said, listen, I've got some advice for you. I advise you to buy gold from me. Gold that has been purified by fire, and then you will be rich. Now, I don't know about you. This week, my daughter was, she, she doesn't do this. She's great with her money. And she bought a lottery ticket. I hope she doesn't mind me telling you this. And she was, you know, she literally was thinking about, well, someone told her she should, and it was a long story. And she won't be doing it again. I hope for her sake. But she was kind of thinking, what are my dreams? What are my hopes? It wasn't like, oh, man, if I had a million dollars. It wasn't like that. It was, you know, trying to think, okay, what do, what, what do I really value in my life? And uh, she started thinking about the things that she values. She was telling me about that. And I thought, I love you. I'm so proud of you, dear. <laughs> you know, she just really had a good handle on that. And, you know, but we often think about, you know, what if I won a million dollars? We were driving uh, to my, uh, into Vancouver this week, and my, my uh, grandparents used to have a house on Granville Street back in the day, back when it wasn't, like, crazy to have a house on Granville Street back in the 50s and 60s. And I, I didn't know the address until this week. I was looking through some of my father's paraphernalia, and I found the address of the house that was his home address when he was in the military in the 40s. And it was, it, I'll tell you right now, it was 6649 Granville Street. Well, what does that sound like? That sounds like a lottery. That's how I can remember. I don't remember things like this, but 6, 649 sounds like a lottery ticket to me. Why did I tell you this? Okay, okay, well, I'll just tell you the rest of the story. It's for sale. It's the same old house. It's, you know, just, it's just a big lot. Uh, and this old, old house, dilapidated thing that was probably built in the 30s or 40s. And so it, there's a for sale sign. And so my wife Googled it up. It was $5 million. Can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, that's better than a lottery. Why, why couldn't they board the thing up and just hang on to it for about 40 or 50 or 60 years? That'd be nice. Anyways, we're, I'll get back to it here. Then you will be rich. Did you ever think about what it would be like? Some of you have more money than me, but I, I don't know if anyone here is like, rich. If you are, let's talk. No, just kidding. <laughs> but Jesus says if you buy gold... Tried in the fire. True riches. Focus on true riches. What it would it be like if I had an immeasurable amount of true riches? Like when you're dreaming about winning the lottery, go for it. Don't buy a whole bunch of tickets. Please don't. That's how that prize gets big. Because people like you and me that buy the ticket and don't win anything. That's why they have the money. Just a little bit of information. So it's not a good idea. But if you think about, oh, man, just use that as an opportunity. Finish what you're doing. Like, don't worry. You can dream. It's okay. 
Because who knows? God might give you those desires in your heart. That's fine. However, just kind of just take it another step. What if I had true riches? What if I was like the wealthiest person in the true riches of heaven? Come on. I don't need to have a lot of bread to be able to do that. Hallelujah. Jesus says, I've given you some advice. I advise you to buy gold, gold that has been purified by the fire. Then you will be rich. Also, buy white garments. What are the white garments in Revelation? The righteousness of the saints. Now, you can't purchase righteousness. You can receive righteousness. Okay? And then you will not be ashamed by your nakedness. And then he goes on to say, buy ointment for your eyes because he wants to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's what he wants to do. That's in your Bible in Ephesians. Anointment for your eyes so you'll be able to see. And Jesus says, he goes on to say, I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn away from your indifference. Wow, come on. I hope this is hitting somebody in the heart this morning. It's hitting me in the heart too. Jesus, then he said, look, look, I'm standing at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. And if you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in. And look at this. It won't be a big dinner. It'll be a private dinner. Come on. We'll share a meal together as friends. Amen. Let's come on. Stand up with me. Let's pray if you would. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we're so grateful for your wonderful love in our lives. Lord, th this has been a kind of a different kind of a message, I know, but this is in your word. These are, these are the red print in some of our Bibles. And God, I thank you that your heart for us is that we would be part of the inner circle that gets the invitation to the banquet and also has that private dinner with you. Lord, we want to be your people who respond well to your word. So I thank you in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Amen. I just want to encourage you to respond in your own way to Jesus right now. Just, I, I'm just going to pray a prayer. Maybe you can identify with this prayer. But Lord, I, I want to thank you for inviting me. And, and I don't want to be the kind of person that's so busy with the things of this life that are so important. And you even want us to deal with these things and have a place to be and, and have a transportation and, and, and have relationships that are the right relationships. But God, we, we want to not put those things ahead of you. Lord, I want to have the right appearance in your heavenly room. When I come to your banquet, I want to have the right clothes on, that beautiful white linen suit. Jesus, I thank you for your provision for all of us. You died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven and we could be given eternal life through the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. 
So we commit ourselves here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace in your going, your coming, your rising, your laying down, in your laughter and your tears and your work and your leisure. Come on. Until you today. Love you. If you would like personal prayer, that's available. And the coffee is on. Oh, you have a word? Okay. Please be seated just for a moment, if you would. Okay, I just want to encourage us, as Pastor Mike, encourage us to be part of the banquet as Canada celebrates its 152nd birthday tomorrow. I'm a Canadian citizen, but I'm an immigrant. And I want to encourage us to pray for Canada. Two years ago, the Lord caused me to do some research on revival in this nation. There was revival in the East Coast. There was revival in Saskatchewan. And I just want to encourage us as we want God to be Lord over us individually, that God wants to be Lord over this great nation. This nation has an incredible spiritual history and legacy. And I get a sense that the church in Canada, please don't be offended, but we're sleeping. We're sleeping, and as I watch this nation, I watch God bring immigrants such as myself to help pray and light a fire under this nation because this nation is a, is, a, is a home for people, a place of refuge. You guys have no idea how awesome the history of God is in this nation, and he wants Canada to continue. But when we look at the legislation and the things that are being passed in government, they are anti-Christ legislation, and God wants to bring people in. And I'm not a political person. Politics is not my area, but I am for the heart of God for this nation. And I thank God for the day that my father brought me here when I was 17. I had no idea my purpose for being here, but now I see my purpose is to help birth what God wants to birth in and through this nation. So I want to encourage us to, as we pray for our own personal place at the banquet, God wants this nation because this is a sheep nation. He wants this nation to be part of that. So I want to encourage us to pray, pray for the government, pray for the schools, pray for every sphere of influence that Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and God is God of Canada. Amen. Thank you so much. Could we please just stand once again and you'll be dismissed momentarily. God, keep our land glorious and free. Oh, Canada. We stand on guard for thee. Oh, Canada, we stand on guard for thee. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.